Second Chronicles chapter 14 is where we'll be. Isn't it amazing sometimes how God works out the special music right with the message? Isn't it awesome how he does that? This is not one of those times, but it is cool how he does that sometimes. Uh, it helps that uh, I live with Holly, and I asked her, can you do this song tonight? Um, we're going to be talking about God's faithfulness as we continue the series Pastor Josh has been teaching through Resolved. And tonight we're going to look at Second Chronicles chapter 14 with the title, Resolved to Stay Faithful. And I'll warn you before that we're going to be reading quite a bit. This is a narrative. There's a lot in here. I don't want to skip through the scripture. And so at any point, I know I talk fast. If you get lost, hopefully the screen guys are with me. You can look up at the screens. If they're off, then we're just all in trouble and just let me keep talking and we'll get through it. Uh, but there's a lot of reading, but it's important that we read it all. And before we do that, I'm curious, how many of you really enjoy history? You love history. You're history people. You love studying it. It was one of your favorite classes. How many of you, you do not enjoy history? You'd be honest. Okay, that's me, my hands up. Uh, I'm not that into history. I wasn't that great at history. Um, I could appreciate it, but, but I just like to know, okay, what happened? Who won? I'm not getting into all the details. And there's a name that if I asked every one of you, who was this person known for? I think whether you love history or you know, whether you know nothing about history, you'd all come to the same conclusion or at least say, hey, this is what that person was remembered for. And the name is Benedict Arnold. And if I were to ask each of you, you would have said he's a traitor, right? How many of you that would have been your answer? He was a traitor, betrayed his country, right? I think most of us know that whether you love history or not. But for those of you who do love history, you probably know this. Actually, more likely before he betrayed his country to have been remembered as a war hero for the United States. He was actually key in some of the Revolutionary War and some key captures. And, and I won't go into the details, probably because I don't know all the details, but I was reading this and, and it blew my mind. I thought, wow, this is not what he's talked about. This is not how he was remembered. We don't even really hear this part of his life. We only hear what? The end, how he betrayed his country. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we, we see a similar story or narrative. And it's a man named King Asa who starts off his life incredible. And if you were just to read chapter 14, you could probably walk away and write a list of different ways how we need to be more like King Asa, how we can learn from King Asa, some ways that he was faithful, that he remained faithful, that he was on fire for the Lord, and there was no question about it. But then we read in chapter 16 this verse. And if you have your Bibles, chapter 16, we're going to jump to the end of the story, and then we'll go and walk through how I believe he got to this point. Second Chronicles 16, look at verse 12. It says, and Asa, in the thirtieth and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet. Until his disease was exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Back when I was in Bible college, and it used to be just a couple years ago, and now I'm like, oh wow, it was quite a while ago, uh, we had this test that was dreaded. It was an Old Testament survey class, and I can't remember if it was the midterm or final, but the dreaded midterm or final was we had to match every king in the Old Testament with what they did or what they were known for or a key battle or something like that. And, and although there were a few easy ones like King David or King Solomon, there were some that were really hard. And all of us were thankful, all of us students that were in that class were thankful for King Asa because he was one of the easier ones to match because he had such an obscure ending, had such a, a different ending to his life. Most died in battle, most died of, of some other common uh, uh, thing that happened to them. But here King Asa dies, and we see it, he dies of a foot disease. And we see that he doesn't even look to doctors. It says he doesn't look to physicians. He, he seeks his own wisdom, he seeks his own people, and he dies. 
And if that's all you knew about the story, you'd say, okay, wow, that's someone that didn't trust God. But, but I think you'll be amazed as we jump back into chapter 14 and we see the beginning of King Asa's life. And we're going to see that there is this incredible fall from when he started and he was depending on God to the end of his life where he's got a disease in his foot and he doesn't even think to seek the Lord. And I think we can learn some things from this in this narrative. Look back at chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his stead. And in his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places, and he broke down the images and cut down the groves. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. Also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him. And he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Verse 8, And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears, and of Judah 300,000, and of Benjamin, and that bare shields and drew bows 200 and fourscore thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. And so we already see that he has this incredible start. His father has passed away. Asa has stepped into the throne. And it says that there's this peace for 10 years. There's not a war going on. There's no battle. And so he has time to, to kind of mature into this position. And, and we see that right away, he starts doing some really, really good things. Uh, look at verse 2. It says, And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. This was not common for this time. This would have been something that would have been great for the people that were followers, the Israelites. They would have been excited. Finally, we have somebody that wants to do right. They're pursuing Christ. They're pushing us towards Christ. And we see that he immediately starts taking away the strange gods of the high places. He gets rid of idols. He says, we're not going to worship idols. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to pray to these false gods that, that mean nothing. We, we need to get them out. And I love this. It says that he even commanded Judah to seek the Lord of God. God, their fathers. He made a law. He said, you, you have to serve God. You have to see God. And I couldn't help but think what that would look like in our day today if we had a president or a governor who got up and said, not only do I want you to pursue Christ and have a relationship with him, but it's actually a law. Like you get a ticket if you don't have your devotions in the morning, right? That may scare some of us, but, but imagine what, what that would have looked like. Imagine what that would have been like. Everybody, it was the law to follow God's commandment. It was the law to serve him. And we see that this looks like such a great start. And you're already wondering, man, how does he end up in chapter 16 not even seeking the Lord? Well, it gets even better for Asa. Look down at verse 9. This is the first test, the first battle. There's, there's been no war in his reign. Verse 9, here it comes. It says, And there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with a host of a thousand thousands and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against them, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephtha at Marisha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. 
Here is Asa in his first battle, his first test. He's a young king. He's been reigning for about 10 years. And, and I don't know that much about Asa before this, but, but he could have been the type of person that would have said, hey, this is my first battle. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. You know, we're going to do it my way. I've got a plan. The, the army that's coming to uh, attack them, the Ethiopians, this, the Bible says there's about a million of them, about a million, 100,000. King Asa only has roughly close to 600,000. So he's outnumbered. He could have thought, well, hey, I, I'm better. I've got a better plan. I'm a young king. You know, he, he could have taken the wisdom from everyone else. And I love what he says. Look at verse 11 again. He says, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God. And he says, Lord, God, I, I can't do this on my own. He says that there's nothing impossible for you. In fact, he says there's none great or not great. He says there's just you and there's everyone else. And God, I, I can't defeat this army. I don't have the ability to defeat this army. I don't have the men to defeat this army. He says we're resting on you and in your name we're trusting you in the situation. And in verse 12, it's, it's so simple. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians. Like it was just that simple. The Lord just wiped them out. And you look at a story like this and you think, man, that there's so much that we can learn from about Asa's faith and, and his faith in God to deliver him from a hard circumstance. And then we go back to chapter 16. Asa's there, he's sick with a foot disease. He doesn't even think God can help him with that. How, how did this happen? And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. And, and this is a message I'm preaching to myself. But how Asa fell, or some key reasons I think he fell. And maybe there were some more that, that you could think of, but these are just three that, that, that I see in the scripture that, that is clear of how Asa went from faithful, serving God, depending on him like nothing else, to foot disease, God can't help me, I'm going to look to my doctors. And the first thing that happened is I believe Asa became comfortable in his reign. He got comfortable. He, he let his guard down. He started to lose his focus, and he began to coast. Look at verse 19 of chapter 15. It says, and there was no more war under the fifth, five, and thirtieth year reign of Asa. So Asa has this incredible battle, this incredible victory, and then there's just this peace again. There's no battle, there's no fear, there's no worry, there's no enemy coming, there's no need for God, and he just gets comfortable. He doesn't see a physical battle, so he thinks, okay, I'm good now. And we're going to see later that there's another battle coming, and his response to that battle is completely different. He's a different person. You see, although there was no physical battle, there was a spiritual battle still going on every day in Asa's life. And it's the same one that we fight today. Some of us, we look around and we say, okay, everything's good. There's no battle right now. I don't need God right now. And we fail to understand what Paul tells us. Look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul is saying, listen, just because there's nothing going on in your life, just because you don't see an enemy, just because there's not a battle that's necessarily you're facing right now, he says you've got to understand that every day you wake up, there is a spiritual battle in your soul. And it's, am I going to follow what God wants me to do? Or am I going to follow what the flesh wants me to do? And it's a decision we're making every single day, and we can't coast, we can't get comfortable, we can't lose our focus and let our guard down, or we're going to lose that battle. Peter says later in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is not just trying to mess your life up. 
He's not just trying to get you off track. He's not just trying to to add a wrinkle in your marriage or, or to mess up your family a little. He is like a lion seeking to destroy you. And sometimes we wake up and we don't think that's true. We're like, okay, the devil's not really after us. He's after the big wigs, right? We're okay. We got like the lower class demons. No, there's a devil after us that wants to see us to be destroyed. And sometimes we wake up and, and there's, there's nothing pressing for the day. There's nothing we're in need of God for the day. And we're like Asa. There's no battle. There's no war. There's no stress. And we just, we begin to coast. We begin to let our guard down. And, and we do this in our life so often, don't we? You know, this is something I'm realizing with even our, our son Judah. For those of you that were here, when we first found out we were pregnant, you remember the fear in our eyes when, when we were telling people we're pregnant. I don't think Pastor Josh and Miss Kim will ever forget when we sat them down. Uh, it was during, out of all weeks, it was during VBS that we found out we were going to be parents, which is a very stressful time as there's like hundreds of kids running around and you have no idea what you're going to do as a mom or dad. And you're like, okay, this thing is happening. And, and there was this fear and, and this fear led to a dependence on God because we were saying, we can't do this. We don't know how to raise a kid. We don't have any kids. This is our first son. Uh, We didn't know it was going to be a son at that point, but there was just this fear and it led to dependence on God. But if I'm honest with you, since we've been raising Judah, it's year two now, we don't depend on him as much as we should. Sometimes we we go through a whole day and we don't even ask the Lord. We go through a whole week, we go through a month. We're expecting our second now and there's no longer this fear of of what are we going to do. Why? Because we've kind of got comfortable. We think we know what we're doing now, and, and we don't wake up with that same dependence of God. Even though Judas too, even though we have another baby in three weeks, we don't know what we're doing. We need your strength. We need your guidance. And, and Asa's prayer here should be our prayer every single day. Lord, we don't, we don't know how to do this. We can't do this in our own strength. We need you today. But too often we get comfortable and we let our guard down. I want you to look at John 15, verse 5. Jesus tells us we can't do anything on our own. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Don't miss this part. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus isn't hinting around like you're, you're actually not that capable of doing. No, he's, he's looking at us and saying, without me, you can't do a thing. But how often do we go into work? We go into our day. We go home to our families. We, we, we you know, do something in church and we just walk right in and there's not this dependence on God and we've gotten so comfortable and we begin to coast just like King Asa here. Not only do I believe he got comfortable and, and lost his focus, but I think the second reason is he clearly stopped listening to godly wisdom in his life. He just stopped listening to godly wisdom. I don't have it on the the screen. I meant to to send this to Holly, but I want to read a few verses of the second battle that takes place. And if you have your Bibles, it is in chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, and in the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah in the intent that he might let none go out nor come into King Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and he sent Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, and it continues, but what happens is there's a second battle after that peace, after that time of no war, a second army comes, just like before. And King Asa, he's not on his knees crying out to God. He actually goes into the temple. He pulls out money that was given, gold that was given to Jesus or given to God, and he pays these kings off and says, leave me alone. And there's just this complete difference between these two people after this time of peace, after he got comfortable. Well, God sends two different prophets to talk to him. And even his response in those two prophets is night and 
day. This is the positive response. Look with me in 1 Chronicles 15, verse 1. This is before that battle had taken place. Asa begins to clearly backslide a little, and this is what God sends the messenger to say. It says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and Judah, and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. But when they were in their house, they did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought in him. He was found in him. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to them that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And the nation was destroyed. And he continues, but jump to verse 8. This is Asa's response. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage. And he put away the idols and all the land of Judah. And so we see that clearly somewhere Asa began to backslide a little. He started to loosen up on his idol rule. And immediately God sends a prophet to him by by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this prophet says, Asa, what are you doing? Do you not remember why there's peace? Do you not remember what God just did to you? And he says, my bad. I messed up. Let's get those idols out. And And he was courageous in doing that. Well, God sends another prophet after this battle. And we see that his response is, is clearly night and day. It's a complete different attitude. Look in verse, starting verse 7 of chapter 16. It says, And at that time, Hananiah, this is the second prophet, the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, that's the guy he paid, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. And he says, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubbams a huge host with many chariots and horsemen? Because thou didst not rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. Skip down to verse 10. This is his response. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him into a prison house, for he was in rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Do you see the difference in his response? First time a prophet comes to him and says, Asa, what are you doing? There's humility. I've messed up. Let me, let me change that. Let me have some courage to, to make these adjustments. Second time, after this time of peace, after this time of him losing his focus, he's now not listening to godly wisdom that God is sending to him. And this man, Hananiah, comes to him and says, Asa, do you, do you not remember what God has done for you? Do you not remember what's happened? Do you not realize the, the, the path that you're heading down? And Asa is so upset with them that he has them thrown in jail. He, he puts the guy in, in, in a cage. He puts him in jail because he didn't want to hear it. And I think often this is the, kind of the second step. When we get comfortable, we lose our focus, and and we stop spending time in God's Word, and we don't have this need for God, well then, hopefully, and I hope that you have friends, that they'll come to you and they'll say, hey, what are you doing, Austin? Do you not realize the path you're heading down? Do you not realize the mistakes that you're making? Do you not realize where this is leading you? Do you not realize that God clearly says, do not do this, or or you should be doing this? And we we begin to just push them off because we don't want to hear it. And just like um, Hananiah, and just like the other prophet, God uses people to speak to us in the same way. He sends people in our life to speak truth into us, to encourage us, hopefully to challenge us. And, and this is another message, but, but we should be willing to be that person like that prophet. We should be willing to go to our friends that we love, people in this church and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How is your walk with the Lord? How are you doing? Can I pray for you? We're, we're not just encouraging, we're also challenging because we want to sharpen that iron. But here we see they stop listening. He begins to attack back, and this is something that if my mom's watching, she'll remember this. Um, she had told me, I think when I was 15 or 16, she sat down with me, and uh, she said, Austin, there, there's an area I see in your life that, that I'm a little worried about. 
And she said, you tend to, when somebody attacks you, whether right or wrong, you would tend to verbally attack back. And I'll never forget my response because she doesn't let me forget it. She said that to me and I was like, well, so do you the other day. And then I just stopped and I was like, I see it now. I see it, okay? I, I attack back. And, and that's how sometimes we respond. We don't want to hear it. We ignore it. We say, don't bother me. Don't judge me. Uh, or we make excuses for why we don't want to listen to God's wisdom. And, and sometimes we even ignore God. Revelations 3.20, I think this is a verse we all know. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. This is a verse that, that I think a lot of people miss the context. This is not written to those who are unsaved. This is not written to uh, Revelations 3. We can put that back up there. It's not written to, to those that, that are seeking God for salvation. Revelations, that the context is that it's written to churches. It's written to God's people. And, and Jesus is talking to his own people. He's talking to Christians and saying, you have kicked me out of your life. You've kicked me out of the church. And I'm here and I'm knocking. And if you'll let me back in, I am more than willing to come back in. But you've got to let me in. And I believe this is what Jesus was doing with Asa and the Holy Spirit was sending people and knocking on his heart and saying, Asa, you've gone so far, you've allowed these little things to turn into big things and knocking on the door and saying, if you'll just repent, I'll come back in. But Asa just ignored them. And I wonder when's the last time that that you ignored Christ or you ignored the Holy Spirit's leading in your life and it's a dangerous place and, and I believe that's another step that Asa took. He stopped listening to godly wisdom which ultimately led him to stop listening to God And then this third one, and I think this is so important. Asa forgot God's faithfulness. He forgot God's faithfulness. I want you to look at verse 8 in chapter 16. This is when Hananiah, the man he had thrown in prison, went to approach him. He says, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubbams a huge host with many chariots and horsemen? Right, he's asking the question that all of us are asking, although these are just two chapters that we're going through in, in 30 minutes. This is 25 years of, of King Asa's life. But this prophet is saying, Asa, do you not remember how large that enemy was that came after you? Do you remember the, the million army people that came to destroy you? He says, you, know, you remember what God did? It was nothing. And then jump back to chapter 16, verse 12. We see it again, him forgetting God's faith. And it says, and Asa in his 30th and 9th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. And he died because he didn't even ask God for help. He forgot God's faithfulness. I imagine in chapter 14, when he experienced a victory like that, and maybe you've experienced some victories in your life that are just incredible, and maybe you call them the mountaintop experiences, but you usually tell people about those, right? And I imagine that when this happened in chapter 14, that Asa, for, for days, for weeks, maybe even years, was telling the story of, hey, there was one time some Ethiopians came to, to try to defeat us, and, 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 and we prayed to God, and God wiped them out like that, and it was just incredible. And I'm sure he told those stories, but at some point he stopped telling those stories because here one of the prophets says, do you remember? that story. No response, has him thrown in prison. And then clearly, well, he has nothing else to do but reminisce, laying in bed somewhere. He doesn't even think to ask God for help with something as simple as a disease in his foot. And again, I think this is something, if we're honest, we can relate to. We enjoy reminiscing, or at least I do. We enjoy thinking about the past and some of the fun things. Holly and I often, we, we love to talk about when we got to travel as reps for Pensacola. It was a fun time. We got to be in a new city every night, do new things. And, and we talk about, hey, remember in New York when we got to go to this? Or remember when we were in this city? Or remember when, when this happened? And we laugh and we enjoy that. And, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You do this with your own family. But I, I'm curious, and, and I know in my own life it's not enough. How often do we just sit around and talk about how God's been faithful to us. Where we sit around and say, hey, remember when God did this? 
Remember when, when there was this situation where we didn't know how we were going to get out of it. We didn't know how God was going to provide. But man, he did. When we looked to him. And I don't think we do that enough. At least I know I don't do that enough. And I don't sit around with Holly and do that enough. And if we're not, if we're not careful, I'm not saying you're just going to completely forget everything you know about God and come one Sunday and be like, Jesus, I forgot about him. Right? That's not what I'm saying. But it's a slow decline as we stop reminiscing and we stop thinking about God's faithfulness, which we don't have to look back very far. It's not like, hey, do you remember 15 years ago that one time God was faithful to you? No, we, we can think 15 minutes ago. We can think yesterday. We can think today. We, we don't have to go far. Listen to what David said in Psalm chapter 77. Do we have that one? Psalm 77. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also all of thy work and all talk of all thy doings. What David's saying is here, it's saying, I don't want to forget what God's done in my life. I'm going to write down, I'm going to meditate every day on how God's been faithful to me. And we see that in Psalms, right? Every day he's writing, man, God's been faithful in this area, God's been faithful. But we need to, as Christians, sit down more often and just say, you know what, let's talk about how God's been faithful. Well, let's talk about some of the incredible battles and victories that, that God has helped us through. And it wasn't anything we did. And the more we do that, you know what's going to happen? When we have a second battle like Asa, we're, we're not going to sit around and go, ooh, what do we do? Uh, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. We have this bill we can't afford. We have this conflict or, or we don't know what to do here. We're going to sit back and go, hey, remember this? Yeah, let's just do the same thing and trust God. Right? It's almost like if you could just reach in and tell King Asa, hey, buddy, read chapter 14. You remember what happened to you? They're still talking about it. But, but the danger, I think, and, and we'll close with this, the danger is I don't think King Asa, if we had him here today, before he, he did all this, it was just chapter 14, and we showed him what was going to happen in chapter 16, I don't think he would have sat here and said, yeah, that's going to happen to me. I think he would have been blown away by how much he fell. I don't think in chapter 14, if he had a foot disease, that he'd look around and go, well, nothing else to do but ask these doctors, can't trust God. I think it would have been no brainer. Yeah, let's go to God for this. Surely he can heal. He wiped out a million people. But here he is in chapter 16, and those are his words. And it's because he slowly got comfortable. He lost his focus. And then he didn't want to hear from God's people. He didn't want to hear from God's word. He didn't want to go to church. He didn't want to read his Bible. He didn't want to spend time with God in prayer to the point where he has completely forgotten about how God has been faithful to him to where he didn't even rely on him and did things in his own strength. And I think tonight that there are maybe three different categories of, of King Asa's life that we all fall into. All of us fall into one of these. Maybe tonight you're the person, and you're not being prideful, you're not boasting, but you say, honestly, I feel like right now, at least for today, the time of my life is like King Asa at the beginning, where, where I really do have a desire to follow God, and I really am following his leading. I'm not trying to do things of my own strength. I'm not trying to do things of my own ability. I'm resting on him. And if that's you, praise the Lord, but know that's not where he stayed. And not to scare you or discourage you, but to encourage you that there's a battle going on and not to get comfortable, not to get coast, but to keep doing what you're doing, relying on the Lord. Don't get comfortable. Maybe some of you are in the second phase of King Asa's life, and it's that time of peace. Nothing bad is going on. There's nothing really pressing. There's there's no sick people in your family. There's no bills that aren't paid. Everything's good. Life's good. Job's good. And you're just in that time of peace and you haven't been relying on God, but you're not yet to where King Asa is, where you're not, you know, in church. You're not listening to God's word. You're not ignoring God's people. But that's a dangerous place too because you're slowly heading towards the last part of King Asa. And then maybe you're here tonight in the last group and you say, you know what? I have. I've been relying on myself to do things. 
I haven't been looking to the Lord for strength, and I've been waking up, and I've just been going about my day, and I haven't been thinking about God's goodness, and I haven't been thinking about how I need him. I've been going, and I haven't been thinking about how there's a battle going on for my soul, and, and Satan's trying to destroy me. And good news for us, if that's us, is this isn't the end of our life right now, at least, and so we can change. We can start thinking about God's goodness. We can get back in his word, and we can get back to being the place that King Asa was in the beginning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to help us as we leave, to, to be a people that remain faithful. We want to be so prideful thinking that just because we're in the spot now that we'll be there tomorrow, but understand that every day we wake up, we've got to rely on the Lord and say, God, I, I can't do today. I need you. And, and last time, I want to read this. This should be our prayer. And I hope this is your prayer every day. Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. and In thy name we go against this multitude. Thou art our God, let not man prevail thee. I hope that's our attitude this week. Can't do it on my own. Not even going to try. God, you've got this. And we rest in him every day. Let's pray and ask him to, to help us do that tonight. Lord, we're so thankful for your strength that you don't ask us to, to fight these battles based on our own ability, or our own experience, Lord, but you promise the victory that all we have to do is, is like King Asa here, is just cry out on your name Remind ourselves that, that we can't do this in our own strength, that, that it's all about you. God, I ask that, that you'd help us not to get comfortable, help us not to coast, help us not to let our guard down, help us not to ignore the wisdom that you're, you're teaching in our lives, and Lord, help us not to forget all that you've done for us. Lord, help us to learn from the story of King Asa on how to be a people that remain faithful. Is your precious name we pray. Amen.